Well, a plague on your happy times and your happy places, because it's time for another Positively Inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast, in which I, Toby Haydock, watch a Doctor Who story chosen by a friend of mine and see if I can guess their favourite things about it. Um, hello, uh, I'm Richard James, <clears throat> uh, actor, writer, uh, podcast co-host uh, of the Jerry Anderson podcast, and uh, I have a story for Toby. I've chosen The Visitation. Well, welcome. Uh, you find me just finishing a date. No, not with a lady. Um, I'm just finishing a date. Uh, one of those sweet fruits that is the sort of thing you do to get a sugar rush when you're ancient and overweight and don't work properly and probably eat too many sweets and need to find alternatives. So I'm, I've just been munching on a date. I would have preferred a sweet or, or indeed the other kind of date. But there we go. Well, I suppose I've got a date with Doctor Who, Richard Mace, the Terraleptil. He's not credited as Terraleptil leader, is he? He's just Terraleptil. Uh, I'd have asked for a name, Jim the Terraleptil. Uh, always looks better on the credits. I suppose Michael Melia's credits don't need that much help. And uh, and obviously, um, I mean, I suppose Terraleptil, if, if you're a casting director that doesn't watch Doctor Who, um, you, you think Terraleptil could be a name. I am Terraleptil. Anyway, uh, what am I talking about? I've no idea. I'm going to watch episode three. <gasps> oh, gosh. I've just remembered this is a heartbreaking episode for see this. Well, let's talk about it when it starts. But anyway, the doctor ended last week's cliffhanger with a joke about the repetitive nature of his uh, <laughs> the threats to his life. Um, so uh, let's see if he can joke his way out of this one. If we press, uh, I'm going to watch from the beginning on Britbox, which tells me that this scores 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Crikey. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, and we're going to watch in three, two, one. So here we go. I've, I've been pondering this in the break that I've had between the first two episodes and uh, this instalment. Is that I wonder if I actually missed the whole of part one. I was... Um, I think I, I, I was I was getting back late from school. I was having to get picked up from school late because my mum worked longer than the school day, and I think I think the school looked after me because it was a you know I don't know to go into the details, but anyway. So I think I got back. Sometimes I, th I think I missed the beginning of episodes, and I also think I missed the occasional episode. Now I normally remember when I missed an episode for a party, Jack Jacqueline birthday party uh her surname she doesn't deserve to carry this with her uh for full circle two no carnival of monsters four that was uh five faces doc two i missed full circle two for some reason but one of our teachers had just bought a video machine so i went to hers to watch it on on video um I remember her telling me about because Jaws had just been on the telly and she said uh, you could rewind it to watch the exploding shark sort of reconstitute itself and this was like magic the things you could do with videos um, and 
but I've I've got a feeling because I remember my friend telling me about the end of the episode with the doctor disappearing behind the wall. He'd explained it in a way that that wasn't what I understood. Um, I you know I thought you saw him disappear rather than he just wasn't there or whatever. Um, uh, now these are all good actors. Eric Dodson did quite a lot. Um, uh, and Richard Hampson's a very good actor, but but you struggle playing villagers, and you know I'm the headman of your village, so he's headman and kill them scythe man, and you die as well. They, you know, they know each other. Come on, <laughs> kill them, Jim. You know, scythe man's there going, give me a name. Come on, um, I mean that that to me is slightly lazy writing. You know, they're. You know, all you need is a couple of lines to establish a bit of character, but these are these are functional yokels, which I think is a, a shame for all concerned. But yeah, yeah, move scythe man, and you'll be the next. Is is a, you know is a pretty grotty piece of writing. Look how beautiful this film is. This has been so gloriously put together. So yeah, anyway, I I think I missed episode one, and I'm surprised I didn't remember the sheer sadness of having missed it. Um, but but. The, the, I did miss the beginnings of episodes as well. Remember, I was at my grandparents when Time Flight was on, and they lied to me about because um, they wanted to watch Crossroads, and then and then jumped over. And they said, "Oh, you've only missed a minute." It was only years later that I discovered I'd actually missed a good five, five, ten minutes or whatever. Um, so so unkind. Um, excellent, excellent uh, costume and good voice and good performance from. Michael Melia, uh, who's a very recognisable actor, um, it, it, you know, on, in, in, in British television, uh, with a sort of very sort of boxer's nose he's got. Um, but this is, a, I think he did, I think he does a really good job in this. Uh, and it's a, it's a pretty thankless task. But actually, the Terileptil does have, does have a lot of character and we get some good dialogue scenes between him and the Doctor in, in this episode in particular. Um, but yeah, he's he's called Terileptil. So yeah, no nobody nobody gets a name. Android, Terileptil, villager, headman. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think you do that these days. I, I I think I think it draws attention to the fact that everyone's a bit of a, a bit of a functionary. Um, it was always quite fun seeing inside the TARDIS. Although I I understand, you know, it's so it's impossible to convey. The sort of mystery of this infinite machine. She, oh, she's doing very good. This is heavy acting there, you know. And a couple of pot plants and a bed. It makes it, it a, a bed, but no carpet, you know. So it's so it's 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 again it's a funny mix of sort of well we'll we'll make it seem like somebody lives there by putting a bed in it, but it still needs to look a bit like the TARDIS. So it's still got you know the the sort of it, it's, she hasn't even got a rug. <laughs> Uh, and and I I do I do wonder if it's actually best to imagine the infinite depths of the TARDIS rather than to show it because it always looks a bit prosaic, doesn't it? Uh, you know, if we think of all 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 the classic series attempts. Now, boot cupboard is quite funny in Mask of Mandragora, but uh, <laughs> that that goes the other way. But um, um, Oh, and we're setting up the plot now for. Um... So yes, it is. It is all a bit d domestic with the sort of teenagers' bedrooms, but uh, um, which, which you know, it's it's trying to make it realistic because of course these people live here, so they would sleep here and all of that. 
Um, Oh, the the uh, the coat stand's looking a bit wobbly there. It's a leaning coat stand of TARDIS. Haha. <laughs> oh, is this is 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 this when um there's there's a there's a there's a uh, a scene in this episode, isn't there, where Matthew Waterhouse pronounces uh, the word want as want, uh, which the Wheezy Groaning Sound podcast has already. Uh, when you want him <laughs> retake do that again <laughs> and i did actually mention it in running through corridors but that edition isn't out yet so i was before the wheezing groaners um <laughs> so uh it, it is something uh it, it it is something that uh i had noticed before the wheezing groaners got to it in their podcast so i'm not jumping on there i'm not riding on their illustrious coattails they're very funny about it though <laughs> yeah so here's a plug for the wheezing groaning sound where uh, three very funny men are ruder about doctor who than i than I, I i could allow myself to be um i but yes i i found as a kid i found that that these people lived in the tardis sort of quite sort of comforting and i i, I rather liked the idea that everyone had their own uh room uh Eric Dodson's long dead now. I remember. I remember when he died. It was because uh, I. I used to. I used to look at the. Oh, he's. Yes, he's. Oh dear. Yes, he did. Sort of slightly startled. I've had my control disc taken off me acting there. Um, I, I used to always uh, open up the stage when it was in. Uh, uh, the local um, the student the student uh, what's it called the student union shop, uh, and have a look at the uh, the obituaries. And uh, I remember him being featured there. So what? That's 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 mid nineties. Um, I don't know anything about uh, Neil West, the, uh, the poacher. I should look him up, really. Um, it's funny. There are some there are some characters that really appeal to me. That I even you know tiny weeny ones that I sort of um, look for, and some that I just kind of uh, you know in terms of actors to sort of interview and stuff like that, and then some that poor old Neil West I've I've rather overlooked. I don't know why. Uh, not an easy combination of names, uh, and certainly not somebody I've seen in other things. Um, yeah, and everyone has to do that kind of. Uh, we talk like this in uh, in our village. Where is your village? It's it's in village land. It's in shorthand for yokel upon tyne or whatever. <laughs> um, now that that of course is the, now all of the, all of this stuff about um, Richard Hampton's very good with with thin material. Um, there's there's not an awful lot you can do with any of that stuff. Um, the um, uh the 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 fact that this is set in the past uh making you know all of the doctor's activities and all of the terileptils you know equipment etc um making makes it making it magic uh i find quite a a winning idea because then it you know it adds if if it foments the danger if you like because you know villagers are untrusting of people coming because uh, of plague but you'd still sort of go well just keep your distance but if if people come with 
potentially potentially plague but then get up to activity that looks like witchcraft well then they're going to want to chop their heads off or burn them or whatever uh and and that sort of adds to the drama so that's and 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 i find you know the sort of you know the fear of the mob i find quite a compelling uh dramatic device um and you know any every time you watch a sort of post apocalyptic drama it's not it's not necessarily the the walking dead or you know or or, or the or the plague or you know the the aftermath of plague in survivors it's actually what other scared people will do to you and uh, that's that sort of seems somehow unjust and wrong as well do you know what i mean you want to if, if if you're in a time of plague and being invaded by aliens you sort of go well if the plague gets me you know fair enough if i get killed by aliens that's fair enough but if i get if i get misdiagnosed as a as a warlock or as a baddie or something by people who i would order under ordinary circumstances get on with um that seems somehow a bit more tragic it's sort of like friendly fire uh and 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 would seem a, a sort of a particularly unfair way to go i don't know if that's just me but uh i always find that in sort of post-apocalyptic dramas and stuff if 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 somebody is killed by another human having survived you know there's a bit in uh, the second episode of survivors where um george baker's character sentences this guy to death for looting or whatever and you go oh god he survived the plague he's sort of trying to make a stab of it and and, and he and he dies because of someone else who's in the same boat as him that to me is sort of more evil in a way than the than the you know death by apocalypse uh you know if you're swept up by the apocalypse awful but fair enough but if you survive the apocalypse and then are killed by sort of unfairness or human machinations that's uh, that's 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 a that's I, th- I think you'd be like oh for, for flip's sake you'd be thinking as you breathed your last um uh, I, I do love the way the android sort of smashes through things. Uh, and, uh, oh, and of course he gets the scythe. So, of course, we have the setup of, yes, he looks like death. Uh, and that's a great, that's a great wheeze, I think. And that's a great image. Um, and Peter Van Dissel, I've, I looked up actually because I said I'd, I'd, I'd worry, I'd wondered if he was still with us. There's nothing immediately online that suggests he's not. Uh, I think, but sometimes when I when I liaise with my coterie of online harbingers of doom, we go, "Oh, I've read this here. Do you think that's him?" And blah de blah. Um, uh, so I was, it was just a sort of moment. now that's quite a neat little thing, um, and d- that's done by Davison's acting and a little bit of Dick Mills. Uh, that the 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 android's finger, you know, can sort of con- control with some sort of invisible zapping to sort of say, "Stop, go that way." And that's a that's a nice little subtle effect that costs nobody anything, but just a little bit of time and effort and. Uh, that's effective. Um, I, I do like the android. He and he does the part very well. Um, and I'm sure I mentioned, didn't I, in, in the first book, that 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 he'd been an actor that Peter Van Dissel, who'd done very, who was you know highly acclaimed in his own country, and uh, P- Peter Moffat thought he'd give him a telly job, and he gets up for sod play, playing an android. King Lear to non-speaking android. Although you know it is, a, it's a, it's a it's a it's a, it's a decent role. But as an actor, you kind of you want to be saying stuff. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and if you're not saying stuff, you at least want to be seen, um, and and not with a mask on top of your mask. I do think the android design is excellent. You can, I think you can tell that they're cricket gloves. I played cricket at school at this sort of age, 
so so those but i didn't mind them so much because they're quite subtle cricket gloves the cyber cricket gloves in silver nemesis are very very self-consciously um attention-seeking cricket gloves that that scream cricket and nothing else i think they're androids cricket gloves or at least cricket gloves that could be co-opted to space fairing that this is not natural to my physiognomy is a lovely line uh and i like all of this i like the fact that the dollet the doctor knows about the pterileptils this is this is a bit of world building this is slightly uh robert holmesy you know the tinklavic mines on raga love all of that sort of stuff and and the doctor's pterileptil law was never my strong point this is all good this is all good it's sort of exposition but it's it it, it lives and breathes it's got texture to it uh N nobody's taking them. D Davison's playing it absolutely seriously. Uh, the 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 Leptil has character. Love his breathing gills and everything like that. So yeah, it's quite dialogue heavy. It's a bit of back and forth, but it's but it's lovely. And the Doctor going, uh, and and it's quite actually quite a nice negotiation. The Doctor saying, you know, I'll I'll take you somewhere, and and him going, nah, this will this will do us. Thanks. Uh, uh, yeah, this is good. I think this is good. Uh, D Davison is excellent. Uh, he's got, you know, he's got authority and intelligence and, you know, morality. Uh, and uh, he's doing RP as well, which is interesting, uh, Michael Melia, because uh, he's, he's, he's poshed up slightly from his, from his normal speaking voice, which is very interesting, because... You know, it buys into that. We accept. We will only accept RP aliens, um, and we sort of notice when they're not, which is a just a dramatic um, uh, It's just. It's just. A, it's. It's just a method that we use for for suggesting alien. If we, if we, if if they're suddenly from Hull or um, yeah, you know, Barrow and Furnace or something, it it it. it 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 sort of uh, it 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 takes them to a uh, you know it regionalizes them in our terms, whereas somehow RP is seen as universal, and that of course speaks to it because and and because I speak this way, that's very easy for me. But I I guess if you're from if you know if you're from Newcastle or if you're from wherever and you have an accent, that is that is the sort of uh, baseline default accent uh, to you um so you wouldn't think oh that's that well you would think he sounds like me no it's interesting isn't it, it speaks to quite a lot um it's uh it's something i need to think about and uh, not extemporize on because then i'll explain it better but uh, it's worth noting uh i i i now i like richard mace i mean I, he he he! Uh, Michael Robbins refused to do the sort of the line as written is you know he's talking about mass murder. You want to you want a bit of panic or a bit of confrontation, and and he's decided not to make that kind of effort. Uh, and he and he gets away with it because he's he's that sort of character, and he's decided to do it a lot flatter and a, and a lot less sort of emotional and demonstrative. Um, but I I think it is playing against the line as written. Uh, he. He, he he sort of he does everything as a kind of a kind of wily observation rather than as a a, a moment of shock or peril. <laughs> uh, oh, Adric's Adric's being 
I, I mean, I wonder what they were thinking when they when they made Adric on paper. This is nothing to do with Matthew Waterhouse, whose whose you know whose performance we can talk about at another time. Um, but look at I mean, look at the way what he, he walks very self consciously. Um, uh, but they but they they don't make any effort to to make Adric not a prick. <laughs> Um, which I I I might have I might have had a bash at doing, um, but look at I think that Android design is great, and and it and it and it ties in uh, with the uh, with with the pteroleptils not just being you know green reptile monster things they are you know lovers of beauty so they have an android that is easy on the eye it is bejeweled but it also looks pretty solid and functional. Uh, and also looks a bit scary because it's impassive and uh, the body language is good. And I and and I like that the doctor fills us in a little bit there. He says uh, that you know their love of beauty and their love of war. And of course, because of course it's it's a you know doctor who can sometimes be slightly simplistic and go everyone from this planet is either you know warlike or peaceful or you know um, avaricious. Uh, that's that's a nice uh, that's a nice little debate that they have between them, and I like the snarl that the pteroleptil gives, and I, I actually like all this debating stuff between the Doctor and the monster, particularly because it's between the Doctor and a monster. It's taking the monster seriously. It's treating the monster not as a functionary, as some of the other characters are treated in this that we discussed earlier. Well, we didn't discuss it. I told you, and you had to listen. That's the nature of our relationship. Sorry, po- podcast listener, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it's it's going well. I've got, I've got, to, we've got to over. Well, it's not apologising for the fact that your your main adversary is uh, a, a man in a green suit. It's going well. I will still write him like somebody who who gives reposts and uh, you know has opinions and is prepared to debate. It actually looks great on film. I think. I mean, you could tell it's rubber, but that's okay. Um, and I, I actually, I actually like that these outside scenes have now got uh, the the monster, because it was all looking lovely and like a period drama. But with Doctor Who, you want, don't you? You want that that juxtaposition of the the ordinary and the recognisable. Uh, you 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 want the contrast between, you know, yeah, the horse and cart and the green man from outer space. Oh, this was blasphemy. This was... I mean, I cursed John Nathan Turner. I don't think I quite knew who John Nathan Turner was. Well, I'd seen his name on the credits because it was noticeable because it was like, is that Jonathan Turner changed into John Nathan Turner? It's a name that draws attention to itself. And as we were to discover, he, well, he was a producer that drew drew attention to himself. Um... But certainly I felt, and, and with this story being historical and having aliens and being an invasion thing, this was more my cup of tea than the dance-a-thon of Four to Doomsday, uh, the, 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 you know, the geometry of death that was Castrovalva and the Buddhism of doom that was Kinder. This was sort of alien invasion. And then they destroy the sonic screwdriver. Anything from the past was good. It was from before I was born, so it was better. Anything from the present is a trickier prospect because it's because I'm involved and therefore it's solid. So you don't get a thing from the past and put it in 
in a present show like this and, and destroy it. You don't destroy the sonic screwdriver. Now, I actually don't think as it happens the show missed the sonic screwdriver but then very it's 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 interesting that when russell t davis came back he introduced it without a second's thought uh and the poor old black rat and its flea i think that's a really nice line too um davison's so good in this and they write they write well for him he gets saywood actually gives gives the fifth doctor lots of nice lines there's a tone to the filth uh, the fifth doctor his sort of dry sense of humor and his slightly wounded philosophical outlook and all of that a final visitation always like a story uh, that that mentions its title um he's i like i like amelia's delivery there it's very naturalistic and very nice without undermining the uh you know his alien nature now we'd probably go for a bit more uh a bit more movement maybe and a bit and maybe something with the voice but i actually think this this is very this is very effective because that actually the costume is doing the work and you want you you sort of want clarity and you want directness and you want a dramatic performance and i think he's doing a great job but i love that it's not supposed to be an argument it was a statement that's the sort of back and forth argumentative back and forth you tend not to get with a, the doctor and a and a non-human uh adversary i think that's really effective i i like all of that but no the destruction of the sonic screwdriver was enough to make me when i look back on this season and sort of go well what, what are my favorite favorite stories you know i i the the visitation got minus points for for what is you know like two seconds of the drama but the destruction of the sonic screwdriver um now of course that i know the sonic screwdriver is back um and there's been plenty of doctor who stories before the sonic screwdriver uh, came into being that were perfectly fine but to me it seemed like an insult to the past uh, you know I was I'm, I'm very much about treating what has gone before you with a certain amount of reverence because it got us to where we are now uh, but um, uh, and, and, and yeah so it seemed to me an insult to the past and it and it made me sad and even though Sonic Screwdriver is just a just a just a prop but yes isn't it I, it's worth noting that uh, that decision made by Nathan Turner was then reversed uh, by. Well, it's in the it's in the movie, of course, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's reversed by uh, by Russell T Davis. Now, I, I mean, I've done jokes. It's a whole running gag in my show. Uh, my stepson stole my sonic screwdriver about the fact that the sonic screwdriver can do everything and i think when it fixes barbed wire you're going it's this this i think screwdriver is underselling <laughs> what this does so you know there's a good reason to get rid of it but i also i totally buy um russell t davis's uh you know philosophy that you don't want to be stuck by you don't want to spend ages having to get through a door that's not where the drama is um and you know whether you do something ingenious with a key or a lockpick or 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 come up with some sci-fi thing you're still only getting through a door and uh, i i have a lot of sympathy with that as well so but oh god i was furious at the time um and the fact that the show was absolutely fine afterwards and it, it, it didn't it didn't live or die on the existence of the sonic screwdriver but it's nice that we can buy one in a shop now isn't it my favorite's the pertwee though the uh, the uh, marsh gas 
um, uh, uh, igniting uh, one of uh, of uh, Carnival of Monsters and the uh, the landmine blow uh, uh, reverberating one of the sea devils. Um, when, again, the, both of those are things that screwdrivers can't do. So <laughs> I've I've got terrible double standards, but um, I mean we all have. That's the thing. We all let go of the things that we kind of like. You can intellectualize all you like, but you like what you like and you don't want like what you don't like. And sometimes when somebody does something that you wouldn't like somebody else doing, you don't mind them doing it because, for so- well, uh, which is weird because I don't, I don't dislike Russell T. Davis's Doctor Who. It's probably my consistently, uh, you know, right up there for me. I, 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 I love it. Um, but I chortle at uh, the amount of things the sonic screwdriver can do. Um, well, it's not just Russell's era; it's Stephen Moffat's as well. It's, all, it's sort of all of modern Who. Uh, the, the the sonic screwdriver is like a Swiss Army screwdriver, a Space Army screwdriver. Um, and whereas you go, and in the classic series, it, it opened doors and uh, blew up landmines and ignited marsh gas and bloody flavor. But but that's okay. That because <laughs> it. It all happened before I was born, so it wasn't taking liberties with what is established in my own head. <laughs> it, I mean, it makes... I'm not expect. Don't be listening to this and going, that's not a very good argument. Wasn't as In the words of the Terileptil, it's not supposed to be an argument. It's a statement. Um, I like... My favourite bits of those episodes are, are, the, are the, the... It's not... Are the face-offs, the, the exchanges... The, the 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 good dialogue uh the 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 good acting the 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 dramatic the dramatic face-offs between the doctor and the terileptil i think they you know they make no apology for what the terileptil is they take it all very seriously davison's dialogue's good the, the terileptil's dialogue's good they're both very good actors um and and it's the fact that he's talking to a monster like that and and the program's going we're, we're taking this seriously um, and, and we're not, and 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 we and they let the costume speak for itself, and let the actor just do his work, um, and and it's and they're having interesting conversations, you know, the the stuff about and the stuff and and all the backstory about the pteroleptils. I just think it's all it's all dramatic, it's all interesting, uh, and, and it keeps the flow of the story, and it's and it's a welcome relief after the first ten minutes of sort of, um, vi- yeah, vi- villager. Villager squabbling that we had to put up with, uh, which uh, which I would say is not the the story's strongest point. So yes, the the face-offs, the back and forth uh, between Doctor Who and Teleleptil Leader to give both of them their full names. <laughs> what does Richard like best? Richard James, who is being loomed over by Captain Scarlet in his video. Ah, uh, well, I mean there is one. And only one really iconic moment in episode three, and that would be the destruction of the sonic screwdriver, the Doctor's trusty tool, first seen, I think, in Fury of the Deep with Patrick Troughton, and I believe not seen again until the TV movie with Paul McGann. It's not given a great deal of weight, actually, the loss of the sonic, as it's now called. Uh, It's sort of brushed away with a, you know, I feel like you've just killed an old friend or something. Uh, And that's it, we move on. And I suppose it's only a tool, isn't it? It's only a thing. And of course, we now know that the Doctor can uh, knock up a new sonic screwdriver just as quick as I can make an omelette. Uh, but there we go, an iconic moment from episode three. 
Well, I I actually think that line, I feel like you've just killed an old friend, is is kind of giving it uh, weight because I'm sure there's been plenty of bits of machinery. Uh, uh, I mean, I think Nissa's thing blows up next episode, doesn't it? Where you go, oh, that's okay. It's just a bit of machinery. It's blown up. But uh, uh, I, I, I think giving it that line is acknowledging, actually, its, its importance to the to the Doctor Who universe and kind of going, we've we've just done a big thing there, but you know, not much else you can do other than that. They you know, they, they 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 don't sort of make a totem to it or you know <laughs> push it out to sea on a burning boat in the last episode or, or whatever. Um, but uh, I think it's uh, it certainly felt at the time to me. Oh my god! And and the idea that he make another another one even though of course Romana's got one in uh, Horns of Daimon but um, I not I was I mean I had memories of the Horns of Daimon but not um, not of the nature of who got sonic screwdrivers from where or anything like that um, the idea that you'd be able to knock up another one didn't occur to me it's it's funny that until I don't know if that was more innocent times or if some or if stuff seemed you know, I mean, we're we're in an era now where, I mean, regulars can die, and I remember Clara dying in Face the Raven, and me just going, yeah, well, I bet she's back in a couple of weeks, you know. So, and, and and those scenes are milked for all the drama they can possibly get, but in the back of your head, you're going, yeah, but if they like the actor, they'll bring them back. So, so that's definitely going to be the same with a prop, isn't it? You don't even, know, you know, the prop's not going to be not not going to be making a series for ITV either. Um, Whereas in in those days it seemed more that once something was gone, it was gone, um, uh, which is why Ad, when Adric comes back in Time Flight, that was quite a thing of going oh, uh, because you kind of knew that the actor had moved on. Uh, I didn't know that the actor was still under contract, so it was easy to use him. But um, but but yeah, that once somebody was something was gone, uh, the idea that they might come back. Um, especially if they if they'd died or you know been destroyed, and I mean all Doctor Who companions from the past used to get asked at conventions was would you ever come back? And I remember Casey Manning, you know, being, no, absolutely not. You know, done it, um, and it, that and that was like oh, but no, because you have to bring back things from the past. Whereas of course now I I sort of go well, no, I like to see what's new. Who is going to be the new companion? I you know I've I've you know I've had plenty of time with it, but of course in those days we didn't have the videos, so we couldn't revisit the ones that we loved from the past so therefore the only way we could see them is is them coming back you know in the present day but also it seemed like a reward to sort of say well you were you were a part of doctor who and it was really really special so you know if, if we bring you into the present doctor who you'll you'll make it you'll make it good you'll you bestow your luster upon it you know um whereas so yeah so the sonic screwdriver um richard is right it's uh, debut is Fury from the Deep, which I've just done, actually, in uh, Happy Times and Places. So we've gone from the beginning to the end of the Sonic Screwdriver. Uh, it, it it really felt like the end of days for uh, the poor, the poor thing, the poor um, Sonic Screwdriver. The idea that he'd build another one didn't didn't occur. It was like, no, that's been destroyed, and you know. The writers gave it weight by by saying, you know, this this is this is an old friend. This is not just a piece of machinery. This is part of the show's iconography that the new producers just destroyed because. Uh, and of course, he then messes with that with the attack of the Cybermen and the TARDIS, you know, and threatens to change things about. And uh, we fear change. So 
I would no, I wouldn't have chosen that. I can see why Richard chooses it because he says it's a it's an iconic moment. It was certainly a moment of impact, but I don't think it will ever be my favourite thing just because of the, the the sort of race memory I have of 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 how that made me feel at the time. And even though I know that it sort of turned out all right and it had no great impact on uh, Doctor Who either way, um, it sort of broke my heart and made me angry. Uh, as a youngster and um i i've i've not quite got over that <laughs> even if i can divorce it from the rest of uh, the visitation and not allow it to sully my enjoyment of the story uh, and in fact i think the second half of that episode is much much better than the first and the second half has the destruction of the screwdriver but uh, no the, the problem with that episode is uh, is um, the, you know the barn full of nameless villagers um Mum are setting their way, uh, you know, to 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 to, to no good purpose, really. Um, so, look, yeah, love, I'm really enjoying this story, and I, I I only say that just to, just to point out that I think the the you know the, the episode is stronger in the in the second half. I don't, I, I still enjoy that episode. I find it uh, great fun, and uh, you know, whilst all the villager stuff's going on, you've got uh, Richard Mason, the Doctor, this excellent Doctor played by the brilliant Peter Davison, uh, trapped. So there's there's plenty to keep your interest, and uh, Matthew Waterhouse skipping along like a sort of slightly disjointed marionette. <laughs> Um, trying to work out what he wants <laughs> and what I want to do is uh, go and just check on Shirley I don't know if my microphone picked it up but uh, the lift came up and down and uh, so there's a bit of clunking for which I apologize I try to keep these as professional as possible but I was I was she didn't interrupt me so presumably she's not dying uh, so but I'm, I, I I want to go and just see uh, what she wanted and um, I will uh, very much look forward to joining you um, for the final episode of The Visitation uh, which I'm sure will set us all on fire uh, but until then stay safe and uh, keep away from those black rats. As I said, I said stay safe. Then didn't I? Like it was like it was still in lockdown. We're not in lockdown. I'm not. Re I haven't recorded this so long ago. It's still in lockdown. But I suppose it's it's sort of it's reminiscent because I you know when I when I started doing gigs again after lockdown, I go did you you know did you have a good plague? Um, uh, so. Uh, Yes, the sort of quarantine thing, I suppose, has a slightly different different edge to it. But uh, I mean, stay safe is good advice generally anyway. But um, but uh, it seems somehow less uh, less pertinent when, you know, we're not surrounded by contagion. Instead, we've just got the threat of uh, nuclear war and being plunged into abject poverty. <laughs> oh, dear. They didn't know when they had it good, did they, those villagers? Right, cheerio. Well, thank you ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. And my special guest this time around is Richard James. RichardJamesOnline.com is where you can find him. He's an actor, but he's also an author, and he's got details of his publications, including Bowman of the Yard, on there. I'm grateful to Richard, who's also on Twitter, at Richard N. James. 
just as I am grateful to the many patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Stephen Moffat, not that one, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, yeah, that one, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, Christopher Meredith, Richard Straw, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, Tim Arding, David, whose surname I know, but I don't know if I'm allowed to use it. Anyway, Nigel Bromley, Jenny at Blue Box 99, and Paul Cook. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. So if you would like to join that list or even be anonymous or like David, half anonymous, if that's what David wants to be, it's not, it's not, it's not you. If you do a Patreon, you'll know. It doesn't matter. You don't need to know. Anyway, look, the long and the short of it is you can be on the list of names uh, if you become a patron, but you don't have to admit to it in public. So I will also respect your anonymity if you would prefer to support me without the world knowing that you've, uh, you, 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 are, you are culpable for the propagation of whatever this is. Uh, patrons go to, or patrons-to-be, go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, you could have been listening to this at least six months earlier, you get early access to the Too Much Information and Indefinable Magic podcasts. You also get one all to yourself called Far Too Much Information and you get monthly AMAs. In fact, the one that I've just done was I got so many questions or, or gave such long answers that it was uh, it ended up being three installments. So three hours of me talking about whatever you want me to talk about. I, I know I'm, I'm not selling it to myself, but that's uh, at patreon.com forward slash Toby Oak for as little as three pounds a month. There are higher tiers and you get a 10 percent discount if you sign up for a year. But look, I know times are tough, and uh, if you don't want to do a monthly commitment, you can still support the arts and starving entertainers uh, by going to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. And then you can, it's just the equivalent of the chicken, of chucking a few coins into my hat as you pass if I happen to be singing a song that dispenses facts and opinions about Doctor Who that particularly chime with you. Uh, but uh, as I say, I know things are tricky and they're getting trickier and uh, I'm just grateful to be able to sort of connect with you even remotely um, and for us to share in our love of Doctor Who and, and the fact that people are out there and listen to this stuff, um, I find extremely flattering and uh, emboldening. So thank you. Is emboldening a word? Does it apply? Well, tough. Said it now. It's official. Um, I'm I'm grateful to you for being out there. Um, and I'm now going to be be so. I'm emboldening myself. I'm going to be so bold as to say, if uh, if you if you can't or don't want to, and totally understandable on on, on both counts, um, contribute financially. Uh, of course, um, you can do something that costs you absolutely nothing apart from a little bit of time and perhaps uh, a superson of wordsmithery by going to uh, Pod, Podbean, Spotify, uh, iTunes, anywhere that you can leave comments uh, and scores of about podcasts and give this podcast or this series of podcasts, Toby Haddock's Time Travels, five stars. That really helps to separate 
these from the many brilliant Doctor Who podcasts out there, and and maybe people will avail themselves, especially of of these, especially if you leave some kind words of review as well. And there we have it. Uh, it seems weird to think that I watched that episode. I remember. I mean, I remember the sonic screwdriver being destroyed, and I sort of think of that as a relatively recent memory. <laughs> it's forty years ago. How did I do anything forty years ago? How have I done forty years? That's extraordinary. It's quite sobering and humbling. The passage of time. Uh, and, you know, now now we're looking back on... I mean, I'm looking back on... You know, the Eccleston era is... is Was it somebody said the Eccleston era is about as long ago as, uh, as an unearthly child was? Kind of... Well, when I was, it was... I think it was at the time of the Five Faces of Doctor Who. So actually a little, yeah, a little bit earlier than this. My goodness, that seems impossible because the Eccleston era I, I, is relatively new, even though there are people who are, you know, functioning adults now who were being born while it was on. <laughs> people who watched it first time round as, as, you know, primary school children who are now able to vote. Whereas the Hartnell era, I mean was fusty black and white ancient had dead people in it uh goodness me it's humbling this time travel business time is a great leveler so i suppose we have to make the most of the time we've got so why on earth are you listening to this i mean sort of why am i doing it i because i kind of enjoy it i guess i mean i enjoy it because i know that people are out there listening i enjoy the idea i'm slightly flabbergasted by the idea but i enjoy the idea that you know there's a certain number of you and a flattering number of you that um that stick this in your ear as you're walking your dog or jogging or on your way to work um but i i, I can't begin to understand well i suppose i suppose i must hope that you do otherwise i wouldn't do it but um anyway God, I'm, I'm being all philosophical at uh, at 14 minutes past one in the morning but there we are um time flat i mean everybody at the time of the black death is dead now whether they died in the black death or not but actually that's not that sobering it was hundreds of years ago uh sometimes you can muse on time and talk a little absolute road of old rubbish and sometimes you can muse on time and come up with something quite profound i, I think i did the former there we go um anyway um uh, the, to to keep it thematically on point, uh, I, I suppose this last bit has been a waste of time, which just shows all the many uses you can put time to, if you so desire. 